Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is August 29th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and thanks for joining me for another episode of the Where to Hunt podcast. Today, we uh, figuratively travel down south to uh, Louisiana and Kentucky, and uh, we talk with Parker McDonald and Michael Pike with Southern Ground Hunting podcast um, they also happen to have a really awesome YouTube channel that, uh, you know, there's just so many great content um, providers or curators or what do you want to call it in the hunting industry right now, where in the past you would, you know, buy a DVD and hope that it was good, good information and valuable. A lot of times it's just full of advertisements and things like that. And you'd watch TV as a kid and you'd look at all these different hunting channels and you get some of the same and there were a few people that kind of broke the mold there, Dan Infall being one of them. And and insofar as our generation right now, I think Jared Scheffler is another one, of, another one of those people. But then there's all these other people around the fringe right now adding such valuable, good, informative, knowledgeable content to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. And, you know, I wanted to connect with these guys because they're like-minded public land hunters, and they're going about things in an abstract way that's against the grain of what, you know, the, the larger population of hunters are doing. And so when I look for a guest, I always try to add value. I try to make sure that they're aligned with public land hunting. And that's not always the case. And that's okay. Um, but by and large, that's where I, I think this podcast adds the most value to you, the listeners. So we kind of get into a little bit about um, how to access public land with a kayak and how to set up a kayak to do so and what that actually looks like. How far back do you have to go? How do you carry the bucks out? How do you outfit the kayak, et cetera? And, and then what are the results of that type of hunting? So really cool episode. Glad I got to connect with these two guys. Um, you know, I always like meeting new people in the hunting industry, so to speak. And I also hate that I call it that. But anyway, I'll bring these guys on. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoy. All right. So with me on the on the podcast today, I have two guests, both from Southern Ground Hunting, Parker McDonald and Michael Pike. Thank you for both having such easy last names. Remember, my audience will get a slight chuckle out of that. <laughs> How are you guys doing? No problem, man. We're doing great. Doing good, man. Very good. So you guys are, you have a podcast. Um, you started in January. You're 17 episodes in. How's it going? It's, uh, man, it's going, uh, better than I thought. And it's, it's kind of turned into more of like a full-time job, even though it's not, but, uh, you know how that is. Yeah. The, it yeah, doesn't have the income of a full-time job, but it certainly takes up as, not, as much time, if not more. Our wives have plenty to say, that's for sure. 
<laughs> I got home. My wife's like, I'm annoyed. I'm like, what are you annoyed about? I'm annoyed that you're doing a podcast. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> she just brought me some dinner a minute ago, by the way. <laughs> well, so tell me, tell me a little bit about. Hey, guys, you there? Can you hear me okay? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> also, it said they have left the meeting. I'm like, uh oh, what? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Freaking hate this podcasting. <laughs> podcasting. Hashtag podcasting. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Sorry about that, man. It's all right. I think I'm still recording. So, again. like, that's. I'll just cut that silence out, and we'll just call it a small technical glitch. I thought maybe the storm that's coming through blew my internet out. I was like, uh oh, crap. Yep, that's funny. We got a storm uh, right over us right now, so I'm sure all you can hear is raindrops hitting the top of my truck. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'll hear it when I do the post production. It'll be super loud. I can't hear right now. It'll be great for everybody else driving <laughs> later when they listen. <laughs> right. So we were yeah. just getting into you guys and what you do, and um, tell me a little bit about Southern Ground Hunting, where the idea came from, what you guys stand for, what you're doing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Um... So I'll start because I kind of, from the beginning, this is Parker, by the way. Um, if you have a, if you have trouble deciding who, whose voice is who, Parker has the higher girly voice and Michael has <laughs> and he more talks of a, a lot. <laughs> and Michael has more of a manly voice. Um, so it started out, uh, if, if your listeners are familiar with Dan Johnson, he has the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and he's also the co-host on Wired to Hunt. Um, I went on his show as a guest and back in January, and he was looking to expand the Sportsman's Nation Network. And after I went on as a guest, we basically just had the conversation about starting a podcast that is geared towards deer hunters, hardcore deer hunters in the South, what a ton of content coming out of our area. And so we just decided, like, hey, let's just, let's just do this thing. And so we did, and, um, man, it's just kind of been history ever since. And, like, I came into Michael – Michael actually used to date a girl that I knew um, that I went to church with. That's how I met Michael in the first place. And then we just both kind of, we were friends on Facebook. We kind of saw each other doing a lot of the same stuff. And um, that's kind of how we, kind of how we started hunting together. And yeah, he was, he was, uh, he'd marked up some spots in uh, Bankhead, uh, which is a, a local WMA or national forest. And I told him, I said, uh, Hey man, I said, that's what we call Mexican mafia. And, uh, and I said, I wouldn't hang any cameras down there. They might get stolen. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of how we hit it off and started, uh, started talking about the public land up here. So, yeah. And that, that's just what we do. We hunt a lot of public land. Our podcast is not necessarily geared towards that, but, um, I'll say it's not just for that. We, we do definitely gear it towards that because we, we, that's what we do. That's what we relate with. And so we can kind of talk about that pretty well. Um, Michael probably a little bit better than me, but uh, we do that. And then of course we do the YouTube and this, the YouTube is part of the same sportsman's nation network. And, uh, and you'll see our videos with um, a couple other people's videos on there. And that's kind of getting ramped up, man. We're about to head to Kentucky next week. So um, yeah, that's kind of where it came from, man. Like, I don't know if that was a long answer to your question. Yeah, yeah basically that's, that's just great. avoid. Yeah, basically just avoid of uh, of you know content for the South. So, I I think everybody down here wanted that content, you know, but it wasn't wasn't available. So, Parker uh, Parker definitely, you know, started all that 
that good stuff. That's so sweet. Thanks. <laughs> I think, I mean, you guys came on my radar like a lot of people these days through Instagram. And what specifically caught my eye, so we'll talk about this a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about a lot of stuff. But the uh, Southern Ground Kentucky Semi-Live Public Land Series for 2018, do you guys want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we were really interested in doing was creating this uh, this YouTube vlog style content for our region, for the South. And a lot of people don't consider Kentucky South. They consider it Midwest, but it's definitely a Southern state. And it's just got a, a lot of deer, a lot of opportunities. And we thought, man, what a, what better way to kick off this vlog style season with an area that's got such a high uh, deer density. And so Michael went last year yeah yeah i took a solo trip up last year it's supposed to be a, a bunch of us going and it never fails you, you get up you know four or five people that want to go and then you know here a month out and then everybody backs out so i actually ended up going up there by myself and doing a solo trip never been out of state before and um man i saw tons of deer I, there were deer everywhere up there I, I saw more deer there in four and a half days and i've probably seen in three seasons in Bankhead. <laughs> Uh, it's just uh it's just a real difference yeah and so we we hunt me and michael both hunt an area it's called bankhead national forest and it's in north alabama uh it's like what is it 200 and something thousand acres yeah it's about 200,000. it's a it's a big piece of land and it's so it's unforgiving there's no no ag on it no ag it's just it's just tough hunting so there's not a lot of deer in it you know, and we'll be hunting that. I, I kayak hunt that a lot. I guess he, I think you said you want to talk a lot about that here a little bit, but um, I kayak hunt that, and that's kind of been the way that I've been able to get into deer in there. And so we really wanted to, knowing where we hunt and the types of areas that we hunt and how difficult it is, we really wanted to kick off these this YouTube channel with a, um, a a good opportunity, a better opportunity than just waiting for Alabama season to open. So Kentucky, man. <laughs> That's so cool, guys. That's super freaking cool. So the unforgiving landscape that you're talking about in Alabama, 200,000 acres, we got something similar here in Wisconsin. We call it the Nicolay National Forest, and it's up north. And that's about, I I might be wrong, and I hope I'm not, so I don't get criticized for it, but I'm pretty sure it's, I have a problem. I think I'm like slightly dyslexic. I think I have problems with multiples of threes. Either 300,000 or 600,000 acres of forest, and there's no egg. It's just crazy unforgiving land there's bears wolves you know probably mountain lions at this point coyotes it's in the deer population as a result of harsh winters and all the predation and hunting his there's virtually none and that's where i cut my teeth right. as a hunter so i can completely relate to what you're talking about there i think yeah 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 i, I heard we've had we have bigfoots on ours man bigfoots yeah really, we, think, we always you know, like <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, if you can cut your teeth on uh, on you know types of property like that, then you can just about go anywhere and find deer. So, yeah, well, I, I wasn't much good at finding the deer, but you know, it definitely uh, <laughs> <laughs> helped me with the elements. So, but Parker, let's talk about the kayak stuff. So I clicked on the, the link in your uh, Instagram profile. To, it brought me to YouTube, and the first video that started uh, rolling out of, out of the gate was. Um, you kind of dissecting how your kayak is set up to go hunting and it looked pretty freaking awesome and it looked like 
Yeah. It, it looked practical, like not just awesome because some of these things can look really cool, but then you're like, well, what the hell? But it seems like you really built this thing around the practicality of, of how it could benefit you in hunting public land. Yeah. So, um, so basically last year before last season, I've always been on hunting clubs and I'm from Texas originally. And so, you know, I have absolutely nothing against people hunting the way Texas natives hunt, you know, with a corn feeder and a ground blind, you know, that's just how I was raised hunting. And, um, and I love it. Like I still go back and I still go and do that kind of stuff. Um, and then I moved to Alabama and it's just so different. Like I can't, you don't see a lot of deer. I never have seen a lot of deer. And I was paying, you know, close to a thousand dollars a year to get on these clubs where people were overhunting them, shooting every deer that walks. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I was the person too, that was shooting every deer that walks because you just didn't have the opportunity to do it. And what I ended up seeing was, I ended up seeing a lot of my friends killing, you know, giant deer and I was getting jealous. I wasn't happy for them. And I just, I needed to change it. And so, um, I, bought a kayak i've been kayak fishing for a long time uh and it just kind of clicked with me like okay what if i tried to go out here to bankhead and just set up my whole season to hunt this way what like how could that be so i started thinking about it that's when i bought my onyx membership and just started looking at it like looking at all the different water access that you could possibly get to and it just made, it made perfect sense to me. And so I kind of sold out to the idea before I ever even put a kayak in the water over there. And, um, I, I built a trailer around it, like to carry my climbers, to carry my tree stands. Um, I put a toolbox on that trailer to just carry gear. Like I set up my whole setup for this and, um, started scouting, man. And as soon as I did, everything that I knew about Bankhead all of a sudden became just old news to me like fake news i guess you could call it because <laughs> i started finding deer i started finding deer sign and just these deer that were living on these landlocked pieces of property that you couldn't you know they were waterlocked on one side the only access was to get get to it from water so how, how far would that, you paddle in like i mean and then obviously upstream or upriver would probably be you know a lot tougher, especially yeah. if you're if you're dragging something out of the woods. But how far back are you going in this kayak? Um, so it just depends. Like I have one spot, and I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna be very vague with That's it. That's okay. But, yeah, I, don't know, I hear you. Because uh, <laughs> I have one spot that is actually a really good early season spot that I literally, all I have to do is put my boat in and paddle about a hundred yards. Um, because you can't access access it. It's off limits where you put the boat in. So you can't walk in, but you can paddle around that boundary basically. And so I paddle a hundred yards literally to get to my, to get to the area. I beach the kayak and walk in. Um, now after bow season, that spot starts getting hit, you know, it, it starts seeing some pressure people walking because there is actually a spot that you can access it from the road. It's a really far walk, but you know, it, it definitely gets hit, but I was seeing deer there every single time I'd sit last year until, until the opener of, uh, of rifle season and I stopped seeing deer. And so I, I ended up moving to a spot that was about two mile paddle. And, uh, and that totally changed the game for me, man. Like it was, uh, it, it was tough, but it was, it was worth it. You know, I, I ended up tagging out, I shot three bucks, two does, 
on on public land. My first year doing the kayak thing, like I, it ended up being worth it. And I, I fell in love with it. That's the only way I hunt now. Um, you know, if I have the option to paddle in, I'm going to do it. Just because, like, it, it has a whole new aspect to the hunt. You know, it's no longer like the best part isn't when I go and put my hands on the butt. The best part is when I get in on the boat and I start paddling it out. Like, it's just you get the paddle in the water, and suddenly you got a whole nother. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, three bucks and two does in yeah. in one season on public land. That's not most people's hunting season. That's that's sure. Practically no one's hunting season, combined with gun and archery. So that there's a there's a hunter you may know of him. He's from Wisconsin. Um, you guys, because you're on YouTube, there's a good chance you know Dan Infault. I don't know if you've heard the name. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. Sure. We're both on the hunting beast. Yeah, we're both hunting beasters. He's a beast, but he talks about that. he talks about how water. Um, deters hunters right as much as it deters predators so it's a good spot for that because it doesn't bother the bother the deer any so i mean your approach is not it i i kind of like i mean i like dan's idea i don't mind getting i actually the one question i haven't asked dan and i'm going to ask him the next time he's on is dan have you ever swam <laughs> to get to a spot and i bet you the did answer you see, is yes did you, did you see dan this year he was he was in his underwear or his boxers. Did you see that picture? He on came to my house when I went scouting. Literally directly after that same day, <laughs> he's like, "I was just in a river. We were just doing a photo shoot, and I got into my underwear." I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" So that's the picture I used for for that episode. I'm like, "What the hell?" Yeah. But I, like, so, literally yeah. swimming so is, is a funny question. The so, middle ground between wading through swamps and taking a kayak or a canoe or whatever, and like your idea is pretty awesome, man. Like. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the more people that start to follow you and see what you're doing, you're going to not be the only kayak in the river pretty soon. Yeah, so that's that's um, that's something that we've, we've discussed. Because there's really, I mean, there are a lot of kayak access spots out here. Now, and, and I'll tell anybody, you know, if you find these spots, like, it, it's public land. Somebody, Kudos, yep. one day, you could be there for 10 years. But inevitably, somebody's going to find your spot, and um, and that's okay because it's public land. Like that means somebody else is out doing it. That mean, means I was able to influence somebody more than likely, you know. Um, but if somebody goes out and finds those spots, man, it's not going to take them very long to realize, crap, this is hard, and I have to be incredibly strong-willed to continue doing this because my day starts at about two o'clock in the morning when I when I paddle in, and um, I have to drive there. I usually try to start paddling at three. And, you know, it'll take you about an hour to get there, get set up. And a lot of times, even then, I'm still late. So um, it's not going to take people very long to, to decide whether or not it's for them. Um, luckily for me, I was able to have some success really quick and realize, crap, this is the best thing that I've ever done. It's the coolest thing I've ever done, the hardest thing, the funnest thing, like everything, it was all of that. And so that early success made, made me, like, just a, kind of a believer in it and so um so yeah it's kind of it's kind of the deal it's funny you mentioned like being in your box or that that actually my kayak floated away one morning <laughs> and uh and it was on a lake i was actually on this lake and the kayak floated away the water rose i didn't tie it off and so i tried to swim out to it and i got into my underwear and my orange hat and uh tried to swim out to it and it didn't work oh uh, no I, I, oh no i quickly realized that that was a bad idea to try to swim out to it in the cold water but um i ended up getting it back it, it floated 
across the lake into a boat dock, which was pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> but you're, at this point, you're already around. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to get back to my vehicle. Luckily, this was the spot where I don't have to go very far, and got back to my vehicle, and the rest is history. I got it. So, but it did happen. <laughs> So, Michael, how about you? Are you doing some of this kayak hunting too, or what's your what's your approach? No, no, I'm uh, strictly uh, ground and pound. Um, <laughs> you got to explain that. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> like the so the whitetail adrenaline guys have seemingly made that approach popular, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, h- hunting public land. I started about three years ago, I guess, two or three years ago now, and uh, I didn't I didn't have a whole lot of luck the first year, and then I found the hunting beast. Uh, once I found the hunting beast, oh man, it was such a game changer. Um, you know, I, I was on deer left and right, but I still felt like, uh, my gear was holding me back from, from getting to the best deer. So what I did is, you know, I went from a climber, uh, then went and bought uh, a lone wolf climber. So it was, you know, weighing a little bit less Then went to the sticks and then, uh, lock on, uh, I found that, you know, pretty limiting too just as far as the distance i would always get back to a spot that i really wanted to hunt and i could never find the tree that i wanted to be there you know and a lot of these spots didn't even allow for there wasn't even trees you know around and i've always found that that's where you know the best deer were so i got to where i was just hunting off the ground and basically i would say maybe all of but three hunts i did last year were all off the ground and uh I killed three bucks. I missed two really nice ones, and then I, I killed a doe. So, uh, I mean, it works. It's just a lot more difficult um, as far as getting the shot off sometimes. Uh, it just depends on the situation. But um, you can really do a whole lot with the, with the ground hunting. So, so that's – Yeah, and Mike – go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, man. I was just going to say I've been doing it. I've been doing the ground hunting a lot more, probably in the advent of whitetail adrenaline. Then, obviously, Dan Infault has has had a major influence on some of my style and hunting in the last year and a half, two years. My dad, I grew up watching Dan Infault, but I, when I was a kid, I just, I don't know, I didn't apply knowledge the way I do as an adult, right? So it was just kind of like my dad's watching these nerdy hunting videos, and I was going to go do something else, and now I'm, I've turned into him, um, which is hilarious yeah. and awesome. But in any <laughs> event, like I've been hunting on the ground also because I, um. I'm a dad now. I have, a, I have a one-year-old at home um, in a couple weeks. And, you know, almost all of the injuries that occur in hunting, not all of them, but the far majority come from people just falling out of their tree stand or falling out of the tree, get, trying to get set up in their tree stand or get down from their tree stand. And, you know, to be quite honest, it's a little less risky to just hunt on the ground, you know, or very yeah. close to the ground. And, yeah, and I find it just as productive. I mean, I see... In my opinion, I see far more deer. I don't feel I could get busted near as much. And a lot of people kind of have this uh, idea that you're going to get busted more because you're on the ground. But I actually find it better. I, yeah. I don't know if it has to do with, with you know, the scent only really going, you know, it, it's not dropping. You know, you're not getting way up there. Your scent's not blowing around in the air and then dropping, you know, we're eating evening thermals. You know, I find it, it's, a lot of times I'll set up on creek crossings, like especially close to bedding where you know i've scouted an area before and in postseason found a bedding area and then i can set up on those creek crossings right below where they're bedded at and as long as i stay on the uh basically where the thermals dropping you know they're going to go down just like the water would go down uh you know a ditch or something like that if i stay on the lower side of their crossing uh you know they they can never you know sense 
basically smell meat because of my sense, you know, dropping down in elevation. So I find that that works real well uh, for me being on the ground, especially in the evenings. Um, in the mornings, I'll usually uh, just hunt on the on the main uh, a main trail, like you know, in transition going into bedding, and I have a, a lot of luck there. Most of my bucks um, usually coming through between like nine and eleven a.m. Uh, and I don't find that the thermals then, you know, affect it really. By the time they make it to my shooting lane, I mean it's a dead deer if I want it. So as long as I can make that shot, which for the past two years has kind of been a little bit of an issue. <laughs> <laughs> User error, maybe, you know, I don't blame the equipment. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of user error. My, my dad says that I'm the, the world's greatest guide, but uh, not necessarily the world's greatest hunter. <laughs> I tell people lately, I saw it on a mug once, but I like it. Uh, I'm the world's okayest hunter. That's about how I feel about how Michael, I hunt. Michael is like, um, I, I don't even have the right words to explain it, but if you just sit and and talk to Michael for like 15 minutes, you'll learn something about deer that you did not know before. Like, and I hang out with him all the time now, and he still starts talking about something. Like, wait a, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I don't, you're speaking Spanish. I don't, I don't understand. And so he explains it. And of course, we spent a lot of time out scouting. We, we went a lot of miles this summer scouting. And just about every time I go out with him, I just learn something about deer behavior that I didn't know or deer movement that i didn't already know and i mean i've been hunting my whole life and michael's just you know he's really dove into a lot of that stuff and it's like whenever we started hanging out it's kind of a no-brainer like dude you need to come on with southern ground and just start doing stuff that's super uh, cool he's just smart so yeah, so appreciate you, it, man. you're and you're both working on and in the podcast and you're who's doing the video stuff is that both of you too yeah, that's uh, both of us doing the video. Uh, Parker does a lot of, well, he does all of the editing. Uh, and then I, I shoot a good bit of, like, the B-roll footage and, and stuff like that. We found that a lot of our, we, we really balance out, I guess you could call it, I don't know, it might sound gay, but <laughs> hopefully it doesn't. Uh, we, we balance each other out a lot, kind of like a, a good marriage. I guess Dude, my closest friends I get asked all the time when you how long have you guys been married I'm like okay well <laughs> yeah. and that, that means you got a good friendship you know each other well whenever whenever Michael calls me Hallie's like just go talk to your boyfriend you know <laughs> <laughs> um, but but we really balance each other out well with this kind of stuff and that's kind of what we realized is that like when it comes to like where he's talking about you know a lot of a lot of his struggle has been making it count in the moment of truth like making that good shot that's never been my problem. When I get the opportunity, usually I'm, a, I'm good at taking advantage of the opportunity that if I get an opportunity at a buck, I can usually kill it. Um, but Michael's opportunities come a whole lot more um, than mine do. And so we've, we've been able to balance each other. I've been able to get out and scout and learn more and hopefully get into more deer. And also Michael has been out shooting way more now than he has in the past. Yeah. I dedicated this year to, uh, to actually shooting my bow more uh the past two years have been hardcore dedication basically to be style methods learning bedding and that kind of thing and i've got all that stuff nailed down now and, and can basically go to a new area you know have never set foot on it and and go right to where i need to go but my problem is making it count you know when the deer actually shows up so but like with with the video and and editing and michael like he's humble about it but 
he knows how to run a stinking camera and he's got the right gear to do it. Um, I know how to edit pretty well. I know how to work the camera decently, but man, when it comes to camera work, Michael's definitely. Yeah, there's a lot to I, I made the mistake of, of buying a DSLR a few years back, and you know, then I then I ended up following that up with spending like two months on YouTube trying to figure out how to use the damn thing and like learn f-stop and white balance and depth of shallow field all of that stuff man like and i since have gotten rid of the camera because there's just too much and so i've, I've gone the podcasting route obviously here we are um yeah <laughs> we love it though i mean it's it's a nice challenge we've definitely spent more money getting it ready and getting our setups right um and so i think you know with that and being able to balance each other out like there's no reason we shouldn't be able to um uh, if we can get on deer this will definitely be a learning curve this year though because yeah. i've i've done a little bit of self-filming last year and uh i found it a lot harder to uh to self-film you know with an actual camcorder uh i i think i did most of my stuff with the tacticam and gopro and you just can't see anything with a gopro i mean you could have a 150 inch buck 10 foot away from you and it's going to look like a little spike 400 yards away so uh this is going to be definitely a learning curve uh, using some better equipment this year. We're we're a little bit ahead of the curve too in a lot of ways, just with because it's not me and Michael have both learned. Michael took classes um, for photography and video stuff, and I've I've been in ministry my whole life, and so um, you know, creative ministry at a church. I, I know cameras, I know video, I know how to edit. So we're a little bit ahead of the curve on that. You know, I, I talk to a lot of guys who. They get, they get a camera and they don't even know like the first what to part do. About yeah, it. and so, like then you oh, I need yeah. to get a mic. I need to get a lens. I need to get a you know right a, a neutral density filter. Like th there's a lot that goes into that yeah. stuff. And so like from what I saw just on the the videos that I quickly looked at because this is a shotgun style podcast for this particular episode. So I did not have a lot of time to spin up and do the usually I do a lot more research. And I just want to get you guys on and, and capture you before you got into this Kentucky um, live public land series to learn a little bit more about that. Because as we gear up for deer season here in Wisconsin in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, if you guys are public land hunters, whether you're down south or up north here, you know, there's a there's a similar. I mean, obviously, you guys are following Dan and he's not down south. So you can apply a lot of those principles where you're at. And when I look at all of the content coming into the hunting community right now, um, there's a lot of good stuff coming out, like the hunting public. They're doing some great stuff and some good content, super valuable. And like from the looks of it, you guys are doing something very similar. So I'm really happy to just have you guys on and kind of, I don't know, talk public hunting, man. It's like, it's great to find other public land hunters yeah. that share the same values. It's, it, it's not as easy as one would think. I mean, it's easy enough, but there's plenty of them out there that are really hating on public land. And that's just, that's just not where I'm at. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. There's too much politics in uh, hunting clubs down here, so uh, that was the biggest driving force for me going to uh, public land because you pay this money and then you have some uh, some guy, the president of the club, that wants to tell you, hey, this is my little area, you know, more or less. Like you can't you can't hunt this area, uh, and then uh, so if you kill deer, you know, nobody's happy for you. You know, if you're if you're out there slaying deer left and right, you know. It, it caused They're an pissed. issue, and I was, oh, man. I was told the, the last year that I was in my club, I was told that uh, they just uh, didn't have another spot the next year, so, um, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, so uh, 
So I went and started uh, doing all public. That way I don't have to answer to anybody really. You know, I can go and do my own thing and as long yeah, as I'm within the, the rules that the, the with, state set. As I say, with the money, you can go buy a kayak. Sure, right. sure. Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing too. Like with me not having to worry about, oh, crap, my lease dues are, are due now. I can spend, which uh, inevitably I would have spent it anyways, but I can spend my money on things that I'll keep using, things that will, will help me, you know. Um, yeah, I recently upgraded my bow, and I was able to get, you know, some of the necessary things. I switched to a thumb release. I got a freaking $230 thumb release that would have been half of my dues, you know, or a quarter of my dues for a, a lease. So I'm able to upgrade a lot of my gear now, and and I can keep it, you know, which is great. Right. That's so cool. Have you guys seen the new Garmin? I just was at an archery shop the other day getting some things done to my bow and i saw for the first time now this might be news to me and not others but i I, my jaw hit the floor it was a garmin um sight pin and all you had to do is point and shoot you don't have to yeah yeah it has a rangefinder built in it built in you just press a little a little like on the grip of your bow you press and then it like whatever you're pointing at it tells you how far it is and then it just you're you're automatically aimed at that thing without having to. Yeah. Seven hundred dollars. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't. I see. That's a I that's do a. That, but... <laughs> it's another level of technology <laughs> in hunting that I'm like. Sometimes I can be a little against tech and hunting, and I'm like, well, this seems pretty freaking awesome. Um, well, the guy behind the counter, of course, he had now... one on his bow and was like, yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, great. I don't want to be tempted. <laughs> There's another one that I'm gonna be probably put on my boat after Kentucky. So we still have like a month after we get back from Kentucky. We still have a month before our season starts here in Alabama. And so um, I think I'm going to actually switch to that. It's kind of the same concept. Like you don't have to have a range finder. It's kind of a point and shoot thing, but it's the EZV site. Have you heard of that? What, what is it called? The EZV. EZV. No, I haven't heard of it. So it's basically, I don't even know. It's like an old system basically for yardage where you are, it's, it's really hard to explain. Could you explain it better, Michael? Do you think you have a better way of explaining Yeah, I would just go to YouTube and look up. It's basically like a V that you try to fit your target on the edge of this V. It, it's the same type of uh, technology that the military use, like with uh, tanks and stuff like that. It's like got a V. Like a lot of your scopes will have it too. Well, some, some scopes. And... And basically, it has uh, vertical lines on each side that go in the V down towards uh, the bottom. And in between the V, it, you know, might have, like, uh, little horizontal lines. And what those do is, you know, depending on where it fits in there, you know, as far as the vitals, um, that's where you're going to shoot to. Um, now, the easy V side set up just a little bit differently, but... It, that's kind of the gist of things. Yeah, it's like basically the whole thing is you don't have to have a rangefinder. You you're 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 picturing the vitals, and as long as they fit in the middle of that V, the V like the higher up you go, obviously the, the trajectory of your tilt of the, of the of the bow now. It, yeah, it takes into account. Some, there's probably crap. someone very smart mathematician that made this thing work, or physicist, uh, or I don't know what the terms you have to carry, but yeah, that yeah. okay. It sounds like magic. Um, yeah. It is. It's basically you go out and you just, and the deer just walks to it, and 
<laughs> ghost to guide your arrow to the right spot. It's crazy, man. And it's Let's only $150, so take guys, that, Garmin. Do you guys have dogs, either of you? Jo- what? Dogs? dogs? Yeah. What did you say? Do either of you guys have a dog? Oh, I thought you said jobs, like work. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have uh I have two pit bulls. <laughs> I have no dogs. Dude, so I just, man, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm 32, so you know, I hear about things later than others sometimes. I think, but uh, I just learned about this snout challenge. You put your, you know, your two index fingers and your thumb together, and no matter what, your dog will come put his nose in between your two hands from anywhere. I have heard that. I've I tried it with my dog Facebook. last night, and it worked. I was like, what? What? Why is this a thing? <laughs> I tried it with my daughter, and it did not work. <laughs> We tried the disappearing thing too. You hold the blanket up in the doorway, and then like we recorded the dog, and he was pretty confused about it. We tried it with my daughter too, and she didn't like it either. It was hilarious. This is fun stuff. Man. Magic, I tell you. You know, this is the time we're living. There's got, we got to make up like a deer challenge for this year. Not like a not like a real one. Not like a, who got the biggest buck, but like I don't know. Maybe the snout challenge will work on deer. You see what I'm saying? And then we get the easy V going, and next thing you know, we're just, you know, you're three bucks a year, you know, we're at six if we have the tags. Every year. Yep. Every year. That's actually what our whole goal is with Southern Ground. You got to do some spoof thing on your next video when you guys get to Kentucky and be like, let's try the snout challenge on these deer. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Hey, look, I can do the disappearing trick. I put my camo on. We're good. We're going to do that. Yeah, and then get get some camo company to sponsor it. (laughs) <laughs> that'd be great that'd be funny yeah see we're we're cooking up some great ideas how many um how many videos yeah. do you guys typically try to post in a month because it's a lot no, of work. It just it depends like um we just posted i posted that kayak one last week i would like to get to a weekly basis um when we're during hunting season our goal is to you know when we do these semi-live trips we will have a video every single day, regardless of whether or not we see deer, just to document it. Yeah, because that's real life. That's authentic. Watching it. So, right. Um, and, and if you're with Michael, we're all going to learn something, right? It's true. You will. Yeah, exactly. How not to shoot like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if Michael's talking, you probably should turn your volume up. If I'm, if I'm talking, like, it goes back to the balancing out. Like, Michael's kind of got this dry you know, good old Southern boy type voice. And he's not usually going to just joke a lot. He's going to be very serious and very straight to the point. And I don't know how to be to the point. So I usually just joke a lot and say a lot of stupid stuff and, and try to say it, try to say it in like a high pitched gay voice to make people laugh. In the nicest, I'm, I can't, in I'm the more nicest, like you that in the way, but... way possible. <laughs> oh, go ahead. In the nicest way possible. We're, It'd be like I'm Aaron Warbritton to to Zach Farinbaugh, pretty much. Yeah, no, like pretty. People watch their stuff. It's that same type of balance, you know, that we kind of try to bring. Yeah, that makes sense Um, because I had Aaron on the show, and and no offense to Aaron, I doubt he'll listen to this. Maybe he will. Um, but if he does, he was a little bit harder to get going as the host to try to coax him and say things. Like it took a little bit to get to the point where he started taking off with it, and um. So I get that, and and the only way I get to the point is I have some more alcohol, but it's like more of an offensive. Point That's what I was going. <laughs> that was going to be my next point. I said, "You give me some tequila or some kind of alcohol." And uh... no, no, no. <laughs> if Michael gets four locos in his system, he will not shut up. 
Oh, like it, it could be three or four o'clock in the morning, and Michael, we're, everybody's trying to go to bed, go and Michael's bed, just dude. still talking. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't take much just to take the edge off and get me talking. No, he's uh, he's definitely just light years ahead of most people that I've ever talked to when it comes to knowledge about deer and deer hunting. Like he knows what he's talking about. Well, I'm excited to see more come from you guys and start paying attention. You'll see me subscribe to the YouTube channel shortly. Um, you know, I'll have this podcast aired. It's the 28th today for those that are listening. It, it'll probably be a couple days after the fact before I get to it. My wife's going to be out of town. And I got our little one by myself. So that'll be interesting for me to make sure I don't mess that up. So I'll probably get to this <laughs> during one of her nap times. We'll see how it goes. But I, I like to life. ask. I know all about it. Yeah, well, dude, it's it's been a magical year. I tell you that. Um, what's... I'll ask you both the same question. You can you can decide who answers, and maybe you guys share a story. But, you know, I actually have um, contemplated starting with this, and I don't know why I didn't on this one. But what's your most memorable hunting experience? I use the word memorable for a reason, not best or successful. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to let Parker answer this one because uh, his is going to blow anything I've got out of the water. <laughs> And you don't have any four locos, okay, so, so like it'll be an interesting story coming from Parker. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, like I said, I do kayak stuff, and last year, last season, um, I took like a full week, like midweek, Monday through Friday off, because my dad was going to come from Texas and he was going to try his hand at the whole kayak hunting thing. He has the same exact kayak as I do, and Actually, I bought it after I after he did, and um, I liked it so much that I bought one. But he hunts East Texas, you know, which is piney woods, very similar, kind of swamp-type areas and stuff. That's the kind of areas he hunts. So he has his kayak. He brings it down, and we hunt and camp out for like three days. Or It ended up only being about three days because uh, that was the trip I actually tagged out on. And uh, we were going to stay all week. So the, fir- the very first day... So we get there, and and I get him, you know, we paddle to his spot, and he gets there to his spot, and, you know, in East Texas, his property specifically, you don't use climbers, right? So I had actually borrowed another climber from somebody that he could use, and he goes to start, start climbing this thing, and anybody who uses climbers knows, like, that is like a very, you use different muscles that you didn't know you have if you, if you don't climb much. Okay. So he's like going, and it's just really difficult for him to climb this thing. Were you laughing at him, or were you kind of like, maybe I should shut up? Uh, it was a little bit of both, and I think he could—he was frustrated at himself. Um, I was getting a little, not frustrated, but I was like, come on, hurry up. My son was starting to come up and stuff. So that's not like the, the main part of the story, but it, it started off on a rough foot. So I was like, okay, you're up. I'm going to go. I may not even climb. I may just walk right over here and just sit down somewhere until daylight and then just walk around a little bit. So I ended up getting back in my kayak and going to the spot I was intending to go to. Sun was already up. I go, climb a tree. Ten minutes later, this buck walks out, and I shoot it. Um, so that was great. Like, it was awesome. It was super cool story. He didn't see any deer. I've got this buck laying here. So I go back to the kayak, and I'm kind of fiddle-farting around and stuff, and I paddle back over to him about 9.30 to where he was at. Well, he gets lost because he's never been there before, and we went in in the dark. 
but he gets lost and he's like walking all over the place. And finally I get out and go find him. And we get back to the boats, get everything loaded up in these boats. And in the spot that we were in, just had like this big drop off, like where we beached the kayak at. It was this huge drop off. So you kind of have like three feet of bank and then it drops off. Okay. Get everything loaded up. And he's high centered on this log in his boat. So I'm still out of my boat. And so I just kind of give him a little nudge. Well, when I do that, he loses his balance and flips his kayak, flips everything. The climber falls in the water. His bag goes in the water. His gun goes oh, in the water. Um, so this was like terrible. Like it was cold. It was December the 11th, I think. So it was cold. Um, all his clothes are wet. We still have to go drag this buck out and get it and like paddle it back. You know, like we still got another two mile paddle and all his clothes are wet and his guns in the bottom of the lake now. Cause it did not, it went on the drop off, which is like, it's probably about 15 or 20 foot deep right there and muddy. Is so, it still there? Um, well, that's, that's the best part of the story. So, all right, all right, sorry, uh, sorry. so he's mad. Like I'm, not mad i'm just kind of disappointed this is a gun that a rifle that his dad who my grandfather who's passed away now gave him when he was like 16 and so it's a very special rifle and it's now on the bottom of this lake so we just kind of like start thinking like okay what are we going to do he was like i got to get these clothes off because it's freezing i'm going to get in the water he had an anchor and so we start trying to fish this gun out with this anchor we're just throwing it out throwing it out throwing it out He's in his he's in his whitey tidies at this point in the middle in the lake trying to trying to see if he can reach it in December yeah so I get the idea I'm perfectly fine like I'm dry you know nothing's wrong with me you Um, got a buck (laughs) like your days yeah I got a buck on the ground I'm (laughs) fine I'm good Dan I had to climb the tree now I got to wait for you to get your come on man (laughs) yeah come on Dad no I I just felt so bad but I was taking pictures the whole time just because I knew we'd want these pictures one day, whether we got the gun back or not. So I was like, okay, dad, I'm going to get in my boat and just start dropping this metal anchor down and like basically just hitting the bottom with it over and over again. And if I hit the barrel with that metal to metal, I'll feel, I'll feel it through um, the rope. And dude, it wasn't like two drops and I had found it. I was feeling it. I was like, okay, I think I got it. The odds of that are just insane. It was, it was crazy. So he's that anchor, still sitting in the water. Does it doesn't fall perfectly straight. I mean, maybe it does, I guess. I don't know. But that's crazy. Keep going. Sorry. It, it, it did. And it was it was just cool. And so he was like, if you're sure that's it, I'm just going to dive down. He was trying not to get his head wet because it was so cold. And he was like, if that's it, if you're sure about it, then I'm just going to dive down there and get it. And I was like, well. And so I started pulling it up and feeling the weight. And it was on there. And it was on there. I was like, either this is a gun or this is a branch. And we pull it up, and that strap comes out of the water. And he, he like, lunges out into the middle of the water and grabs the gun. And, dude, you would have thought we just shot a freaking 200-inch buck. Oh, my was, God. Yeah! <laughs> we were yelling. We were yelling so loud. It was – it ended up being, like, a really cool – like, it makes me a little bit, like, teary-eyed thinking about it because I don't get to have those kind of opportunities with my dad as much as I used to. And it was, like, the most memorable thing. So then we got to go – and I let him use some of the clothes that I had shed because I was already getting a little bit warm. Um, and we got that buck out and paddled it back and got cool pictures of it and stuff. And it was just like, it was 
it was the best hunting trip I've ever taken. And then I ended up shooting another buck two days later, which was my tag out buck um, on December the 13th. And it was my biggest one out there. And he got to be there for it. He was actually supposed to shoot it, but he couldn't see it. And uh, so I shot it. Classic dad again. What the heck? Oh, that's going to have step up his game this year. <laughs> you don't, you right. now, now, to be to be fair, though, dad, dad did shoot the biggest deer of his life in East Texas this year that's or last awesome. year. So he had already had a good season. Um, but, man, like as far as memorable hunts and memorable trips, that's like that's got to take a, that's got to be of one of the best ones I've heard on the show yet and i've had some good ones like if you've listened to the episode i think the last episode i did with dan and fault so there's two of them but whatever the more recent one was i don't know what number it was but he had a pretty memorable hunt that he talked about and uh, this yeah. gives him a run for that for that money for sure i mean that was hey it wasn't uh it wasn't the what was it dave what was the what was the one with the dog what was the name have you ever heard that one? Oh yeah yeah we're yeah. like this yeah <laughs> This guy is calling out for his dog or something like that. Oh, He's going in Dan, circles and circles. Dan. Yeah, yeah. Dan. <laughs> Why is this guy calling my name? <laughs> that's the one. That was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that that is um, the. It's not even the way that not to not take away from you, but it's not even the way you tell it. It's just as a hunter and guys and gals who spend time in the woods, like. I was right there in those moments with you as you're telling the story and that dude, that's pretty, that's pretty special stuff. Um, I'd ask that I if mean, you that, can honestly, send me one of those pictures and we'll why. use that for the, for the artwork for this episode. Um, <laughs> or not, you know, maybe the buck. I don't know that your his dad and his wife, he thought he's my son. I don't know that he would appreciate that necessarily. He didn't even like that I put it on Facebook. So We'll just compare that to the um, Dan Infault one, and everyone will think your dad's the new hunting beast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, like that, and when the day that my kayak floated away, like those kind of experiences were the reason why I was like, okay, I got to film everything from now on. As long as I'm doing this kayak. Yeah, there's, there's no so one's going to believe you. The things that can happen. Exactly. And so um, I just decided, like, hey, I'm going to get a camera, and this is going to happen. So it's cool. Yeah. Cool, guys. Hey, th- thanks for being on the show, both of you. Let's um, let's wrap up and just have you guys remind everybody where and how they can find you and all the different, um, you know, digital fronts they ought to be looking. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so of course, we have the podcast, which is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. It is – if you search Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, it will show up. Um, but probably some of our competitors will show up as well. So go to Sportsman's Nation and uh, and subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, and you'll find us on there every other week. We put out an episode also on uh, on YouTube. You'll go to the same thing, Sportsman's Nation, and subscribe to that channel, and you'll get all of our stuff on there. On Instagram, Southern Ground Hunting, all one word. And on Facebook, I think it's the same thing, Southern Ground Hunting, all one word. And you'll and find you, all of it. And, and you got uh, the website also, yeah. southerngroundhunting.com, right? Southerngroundhunting.com, yes, sir. And that's, uh, that's got a lot of what we use that for is the uh, we have some, some different shirts and hats and, and stuff like that that says Southern Ground on it. So if you like our stuff and, uh, and want to support us, that is basically the way that we make money on it. So uh, we would definitely appreciate that. Yeah, but – Definitely go and subscribe to uh, Sportsman's Nation. That way, you can follow along with us this season. So, and we appreciate you having us on uh, on yeah. your podcast for sure. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure.
Yeah, I'm happy that you guys so impromptuly were able to jump on here. You know, usually it's like 10 emails back and forth trying to nail down a schedule and then I got to send show notes. Like, this is a good way to do it. It's authentic. You know, it, it, we got we covered what we wanted and we talked to you and we got to hear some great stories. So um, hopefully the audience that, that, you know, we have captivated here with Where to Hunt, um, check you guys out too. And really... Uh, I think you guys are doing great stuff. I'll be happy to keep following you and I wouldn't mind having you back on and I wouldn't mind being on yours too at some point in the future if you guys care to. So, you know, love making new friends Absolutely. in the area. If and when you're in Wisconsin, you have to hit me up. I have a bar in the basement and it, the door's always open. So you guys let me know if you want to do, do you have four locos, Mike? I will for you. Do you have tequila? <laughs> I do have a shotgun tequila. full of tequila. <laughs> I think we were broke and that was the, that was the cheapest way. <laughs> if you guys go on... The Where to Hunt Instagram, I think... Now, I don't remember if it was a story or a picture. There might be a picture. I'm looking as I'm talking to you guys. I thought I took a picture of... I have a shotgun full of tequila. Okay. I could have swore I took a picture of that thing and put it on <laughs> here somewhere. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not what you would call a heavy drinker. Like, I don't drink a lot. Sure. Um, I am a I am a pastor. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just don't do it as much as a lot of people. I definitely do not drink four locos because there's only one reason to drink four locos. I'll drink one four locos in <laughs> ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Not, oh yeah, I do oh, have yeah, it man. up there. It's it is. I don't even know what this is. It's like old carbine. It's called. That doesn't sound terrible. I don't know. Tequila in a glass shotgun. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. It just there. sits there because yep. I'm not drinking that crap, but if someone's here with me, I'll do it. It'll be an adventure. Well, I, who knows what will happen after that. It'll be like an episode of the Hot Tub we'll Time Machine. Be. We'll just like suddenly <laughs> some weird shit will happen, you know? I tell you. That's awesome. Well, definitely, we'll hit you up if we're having there. You do the same thing, man. We always uh, love taking people out here to experience something a little bit different, you know, in the South. If, some of your listeners are down here and want to know more about southern public land we'd be glad to uh to meet up with them and um you know we love doing that that's that's one of our favorite parts about this rock on and anybody going to kentucky too yeah absolutely if you're in kentucky next week which is going to be the the second through the what something eighth or something until we're until we're done then uh hit us up love to hang out have you in our camp cool thanks guys yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. All right, so tip of the week this week. I thought hard about this one, and I don't have one. <laughs> um, so if you don't want to keep listening, I don't blame you. But I will say that water is something that I am, have never paid this much this much attention to um, in my hunting career, if you will. And what I mean by that is uh, everything Dan Infault says about water, you know, most guys and gals aren't going to go through the water. A lot of predators won't, so that's why deer will. And um, just looking at properties differently. And now after talking to these guys and hearing about the ways that they access some property with their kayaks, um, and I know the hunting public does this too, and there's a lot of YouTube videos out there about this kind of stuff. So I guess my tip is when you look at land, look at, look at water also and determine 
how you can utilize it as a or leverage it as a as a benefit and um you know i, I don't have a kayak but i have access to a canoe and i know a canoe is not as easy to control as a kayak but um you know it's pretty common for me to have a buddy coming with when i go bow hunting or my dad so you know i can have two people in there and i think a deer would be pretty easy to fit into a canoe over a kayak not to say that one is better than the other i'm just thinking out loud for myself here if i got to do this stuff um and i know obviously sam Ubel, who we had on the podcast in the past a couple times um you know he's got that really great shot and there's some footage from him getting a buck in it you know getting it into a canoe by accessing through water so really you know i'm a little late to the game with this whole ideology of using water or leveraging water as a benefit etc but better late than never i guess and if you're just listening to this and, and this is new to you too i really encourage you to spend some serious time on onyx on youtube on google earth on google maps on bing maps wherever and then getting out on the ground and actually testing out some of the access points and entry points where you can drop in a canoe or a kayak or an inflatable raft or the hell it is that you have i do have an inflatable raft actually but the damn thing has a leak that was actually a pretty sketchy situation last two summers ago actually um, fishing and realizing that I had to paddle back pretty fast with my brother-in-law before the thing deflated us in a river. So um, I wouldn't recommend one of those, but uh, it worked great while, while it was actually inflated. Anyway, uh, I digress. And, uh, you know, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, I love doing these episodes and your feedback, like I say, every time is really important to me personally and to the show. So if you want to leave a review, rating, comment, whatever, I appreciate it. If you want to send a message, if anybody wants to send any tips themselves or any ideas they have, it's pretty easy these days to record on a, on a smartphone. So feel free to send in some audio clips too. you know, our email address is where to hunt with the, the number two, where the number two hunt wi at gmail.com. Feel free to send that through our direct message on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I, would, I wouldn't mind putting something like that in the podcast. So, all right, guys and gals, thanks for listening and tuning in. Hope everyone uh, is as jacked up about bow hunting as I am. I think we all are. But uh, have a great day and I'm public.